Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term. Requires broadband. Further terms apply. At the Irish Independent, we don't just cover sport. We tell the stories written all over Ireland. After all, each struggle, triumph, high and low, leaves a mark that lasts. Irish Independent. Written all over Ireland. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. This week I am talking to Richard Edelman, who is the chief executive of the world's biggest PR firm, Edelman Public Relations. He is the son of the founder, Daniel Edelman. We spoke about a lot of things, including what Mark Zuckerberg should do, or the future of the media and for newspapers, and even what should happen with the Irish office. This is how our conversation went. Richard, one of the things you've been writing about recently is about this notion that CEOs feel compelled to speak up on the issue of the day. It's something that I run into a lot with tech CEOs in particular. And and you are broadly, I think it's fair to say, in favor of that. But do you think that that is the case even when a CEO, for example, might risk offending some of its customer base? So I think the core um, constituency is actually the employees. and. Our trust barometer uh, 20th year shows clearly that the new trusted, most trusted institution is my employer. And so the employees will only work for companies um, where they feel that the values are equivalent to their own. So look, when I went to work 40 years ago, uh, all I cared about was salary and advancement. Now it's, I want to be listened to and I also want to have shared values. I want the company to aspire to something, have a purpose. And so in an economy where you're short of people, the employees actually have the power. I used to think of it as you know, a pyramid of influence, and now that's been flipped on its head. And when employees walk out at certain companies because they're working on projects for the federal government or whatever that they don't like, that tells you everything. Yeah. So it's stakeholder one, employee. I mean, it must be okay for some tech companies, for example, whose workers, broadly speaking, could be said to have certain values, but then you've much, much bigger companies would have a much more diverse, uh, you know, employee base. And sometimes it seems that CEOs are in a no-win position because if they take a stance on, for example, the issue that you mentioned there, relation to, uh, say, working with border control, for example, in the US, I mean, you could have a giant company like Microsoft or, or even Salesforce, um, and there might be a variety of, of, uh, of feeling or constituencies within that company. It, what, what's the best advice to a CEO when it has that diversity of opinion in its company? So, for me, the core trust barometer statistic is three quarters of people said, I expect CEOs to stand up and speak on the issues of the day and not wait for government. It is the fact that government is distrusted. Maybe not in Ireland, you've got a really good guy, but the truth of the matter is, government's in a down cycle. And there's so many issues to be dealt with on 
LGBT or immigration or gun violence. And so CEOs are compelled by void, because of the void, to stand in. And so, I, in effect, CEOs can't be putting their finger up and, and, and seeing which way the wind is. You have to decide and you have to speak. And the, the new normal for CEOs is opt for participation instead of the so-called no-risk play, which is don't say anything. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're going to be seen simply as a guy working for Wall Street, and that's not what the job is anymore. You've got a stakeholder world, not a shareholder world. And the business roundtable announcement of a few weeks ago uh, is hugely significant about, you know, serve your community, serve your customers, serve your employees, and yes, shareholders too. Does that foresee uh, a near future then when we will have companies and big corporations who are almost replicating the cable news world of Fox News or CNN where you're, you're kind of picking a side as a, an employee or indeed as a customer based on what you think, where you think they align themselves? Or do, do you see a future? I mean, am I being, am I overstating it here? No, look, I, I, I think that that I wrote my blog post last week about the multi-local corporation. And in there I said, for corporate reputation, there are universal values. Sustainability, decent treatment of women, uh, diversity, things like this. Um, but then on brand marketing, you know, you've got to have a local face and talk about you know, having local athletic stars or having you know, local focus. Um, for your brands. Mm. Yeah. Um, just a little bit more on the culture element, because you, you write about it very well in, in your weekly blog post. You, you talk about the media ecosystem now being having been permanently altered with outrage and innuendo. The, the way you describe it is overwhelming expertise and rational discourse. How is that kind of outrage culture, do you think, affecting challenges for big companies and brands and how, how, how should they respond to it? Well, the problem for media is it's right thought bubble or left thought bubble and you only read that which you agree with and it reinforces your opinions and your social uh, platform uh, reflects that as well because you're only friends with those you agree with. And so the media, in order to have a business model, seems to migrate right or left. You know, Fox, right? MSNBC left. Um, the issue for companies is to find enough facts. And it's further problematic that the media company business model is broken. I mean, I saw Gannett's uh, figures, print advertising down 18% in just in the third quarter to third quarter of one year. 8% decline in revenue, which means they have to sack you know, 10% of employees. And so the reality is, I think over time, every company is going to have to become its own media company, that they're going to have to have some kind of operation on particularly, not, not necessarily covering tech, but in food or health or whatever. Otherwise, you're going to have no facts. And companies are going to have to not be so classic PR, which is one side, but more um, factual and third-party endorsed and things like this. Because in order to have a functioning democracy or free market, you have to have enough decision-making 
context. And we're missing that now. Do you think there are fundamentally still too many media companies, too many newspapers, for example? There are never too many newspapers. There's too few. There's too few reporters. I mean, in the US, I think there's less than half as many people in local newspapers. I mean, the Cleveland newspaper has 30, 30 total in reporting staff. That's a hopeless business uh, proposition. You can't cover Cleveland. So who's going to fill in? And I do think it's interesting. I look at my own behavior. I'm looking at Axios and Politico and, and things that are verticals. When I wake up, yes, the FT, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, uh, Bloomberg, but you know, the new will happen. And it has to be a different business model with conferences and other things. Yeah, and, and you've written about uh, that also in, in another blog post. In relation to the, the, the public relations and the, and the marketing industry, the future there, you, you've spoken about warning flags that you see coming down the line there, and you, you say about the risk of trying to cutting one's way to uh, success. But for the same reasons that you describe the, you know, the threats to the, to, to the media business, um, are they the same for the PR and marketing industries? Uh, social media, for example, uh, individual companies being able to do their own media, taking their own messaging in-house, responding directly themselves as chief executives or senior executives to issues. Where does that leave the role of the, the marketer or the, or the PR professional? Well, it's clear to me that uh, Publicis, for example, has opted for direct to end user communication targeted uh, messages. And I think that's a vital but not sufficient approach. I think it's, it's like saying I shouldn't buy your newspaper. You know, what I love about picking up the paper or being online with the paper is happenstance and discovery right. and stumbling on things and links and serendipity yeah you know serendipity is hugely important and the world imagined by publicists is smart bombs and laser but i don't think that's i don't think that's marketing in the sense that i think you have to appeal to the imagination and also make the case based on experience and you know since i'm with my colleague thomas who runs edelman digital i think you know I'm going to give him the microphone for two seconds because okay. he has this really important theory about trusted content mm -hmm. and, and, and digital experience and, and experience being the thing that will dictate, meaning what other people say about the brand as opposed to just talking at you, it's communicating with people. Right. Do you mind if he says No, a few no, things? go ahead. So Thomas Crampton here uh, from, uh, from Edelman. Thomas, if you could just pick that. Uh, that issue up then. Yeah, I, I think what we're seeing right now is clearly the world of tech is challenged right now. There's a lot of, you know, uh, fake news, fake reviews, yeah. ar bot armies, and everybody's focusing very much right now on the tech companies. I think what's being missed here is in the area of digital itself, every company faces a very similar challenge. If I am a company seen as enabling uh, excess screen time for children, that, 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 that's, a, that's a, a, a bad zone for me to be in. And I think every company needs to understand what their role is and how they can build greater trust with their consumers, their stakeholders, their consumers, their customers, their, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the whole marketplace. Um, and if they are not doing that, they are go really going to be undermining themselves in a fundamental way. Most of us now engage a huge portion of our time with 
companies online through their digital presence. And if that digital presence doesn't grow my trust or grow my belief in that company, it's undermining it. One of the ironies about the notion of digital trust, as we understand it, as it's reported and narrated to us, is that sometimes it doesn't seem to reflect uh, reality on the ground. Facebook is the, the biggest example I can think of where there's a non-stop assault on Facebook uh, week in, week out about how it is eroding trust, how it's you know selling out our personal data and and yet, I look at their quarterly results, not only is the revenue up, not only is the profit up, their user base is up. So I'm wondering how much, and I know Edelman is a global leader in, for example, the trust barometer, but when it comes to trying to measure digital trust and reality as to what actually counts, how, you know, is, I guess I'm asking, is there sometimes a danger of a disconnect between what people say they like and they do and what they actually do? I, I think there's definitely a disconnect between what people say they do and what they like they do, and I think, but I think with, in particular with Facebook, what you're seeing is an example of something Richard just made reference to, which is that value of that third-party network effect mm. that trust builds, and Facebook owns that globally. How many right. monthly active users do they have? 1.62 billion. Or, with yeah. that, they have built in a huge level of my desire to use that platform, I trust you, I want to connect with you, um, and that network effect is something that we've seen time and again be bring about the fundamental changes of what the internet has brought us. eBay, buying goods, distant goods, goods from distant strangers. Uh, Craigslist. U Uber. Destroyed, getting, getting, destroyed the small ads Uber, Uber, getting yeah. into, a, uh, putting our children into a stranger's car. We would never do that otherwise. We don't do that because we trust a government regulator. We do that because we trust everybody else who has rated that driver as a five-star driver. Yeah. So I think we can't under, underestimate the effect that understanding how to build trust in the digital space is going to bring to companies and they're really quite unaware of that. There's a baseline which is you need to respect privacy, mm -hmm. you need to be transparent about data. That's the baseline level. Unless we are really building on beyond that, we're not going to be able to uh, uh, operate in the digital sphere and the rest of companies beyond the tech sphere are going to face the same digital tech clash. Yeah. You'd never guess you're from Kilkenny, by the way, with the accent. But anyway, <laughs> if I could just return to you, Richard, for one second. I've, I've brought up Facebook there. We've spoken about digital trust. Nevertheless, uh, Facebook continues to have issues. If you, as I'll, I'll flatter you to say, you're one of the world's, if not the world's most prominent um, public relations chief executive, um, what, what would your advice be to Mark Zuckerberg? Well, I think he's taken the uh, initiative and he's put it on himself, which is smart, and he's exhibiting CEO leadership and he's made a very strong case for um, freedom of expression and the ability of um, consumers to differentiate between false and falsehood and truth, and his testimony in uh, Congress and his speech in the Washington area university were, were both, you know, kind of stirring um, calls for, you know, we, we want to be the place where people can express their opinions. I mean, he and got slaughtered for that at the same time. Um, it, it, there was a lot of people were saying that he had written the thing on the back of an envelope. It seems to me that as well-intentioned uh, as he is, that every time he enters the debate, it almost seems to, uh, to, to inflame uh, uh, opinion about it, and I'm not sure why. Well, he's one year out from the election, mm. and um, they've clearly you know, made their decision about policy, and mm. he's 
giving a backdrop to it. And, you know, he's the founder. He's he's the man. And, you know, this is what founders do. Yeah. They, stand, they stand on their ground and they establish their credibility is based on their passion and, and their conviction that they have done right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was an interesting intervention by Elizabeth Warren yesterday who was bringing up the absolute logical uh, conclusion, which is that um, uh, issue-based advertising was going to suffer now if you ban political ads. And the, uh, the example she brought up was climate change uh, ads where uh, um, an organization might fund a campaign, a native campaign on Facebook arguing one side of the climate change issue, but a political party is not allowed then to take an ad to, you know, to, to counteract that. So, but there will be loopholes in, I guess, in, in every plan. I mean, plan. the argument Facebook makes, which is totally valid, is politicians will find a way. Mm. And, and even if it wasn't on Facebook, so, you know, it may as well be on Facebook and right. it may as well be a place where pro and con can be up and people can critique it and there we go. Okay. What do you see Edelman uh, evolving into? You, 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 you're usually ahead of the game. You write an awful lot about early warning signs and early things that we should pay attention to. Recently, you were writing about um, maybe the need to, to, for more cooperation within Edelman um, among some of the specialty skills in, into a, a more cooperative unit. Where, where do you see the future for Edelman? Look, we want to be the next great communications company. And we feel that it's going to be based on earned creative, which is trustworthy content, fast as the news cycle, earned at the core, has some kind of purpose, and is shared in the community. And, you know, in a world where there's ad blockers or opting for Netflix, advertising is going to be hard to get to people. And we also want our clients to appreciate the necessity of doing before they communicate. That the idea of action, for example, our client uh, CVS getting out of cigarettes in the US, banning them from the drugstores, or another client in retail, REI, closing its store the day after Thanksgiving to give the employees a day off, first time ever, and started a movement. So those are the kinds of actions. Or example, Dove, the, the brand, um, they have a men's brand that is uh, advocating for paternity leave. So here's a brand lobbying Congress for a bill, it's quite amazing. But we want clients to feel as if, we use us for change. Right. Don't just market that which is, because if you want to be in the conversation, you actually have to do something mm. and be deserving of it. So, and it's gonna stay a family business and it's gonna stay devoted to client service and not be some big impersonal holding company. And you know, I have, one kid in the business, the second one's at business school, has been, and the third one is going to business school and hopefully come in and, you know, so I'll have three to carry on for me. Yeah, and so I mean, just on that, it is one of the world's most prominent, one of the world's biggest private family-owned business. I was going to ask you what it's like literally to work with your, your family in, in the same company. It's on the a greatest thrill ever. I mean, I took my daughter to a meeting with the Spanish government the other day, and she's 24, and her eyes are as big as saucers, and, you know, and I did the same with my dad when I was 24. And, you know, what a privilege um, to pass it along and give them the same hunger and, you know, ambition. And, you know, they'll change the company, I'm sure, because I did for my dad. My dad started as a marketing PR guy. I brought us into corporate and now into digital and creative. So, you know, but in the end, um, 
it's the work and it's the clients and you know it's being able to attract top talents because they don't want to work for holding companies they don't want to be quarterly profits pressure and downsize and give them your hourly timesheet every friggin week it's what have you done for the clients I have to ask is there anything to a Midwestern sensibility that you yeah. have found advantageous uh, over your over your your period I mean you're from Chicago yeah correct and well, you know my dad was from New York I'm from Chicago I live in New York in Chicago but I, yeah I'm a pretty simple character this way I I like to watch the Chicago Bears even if they're terrible yeah I know um, and <laughs> I just did I'm a thumbs loyal. down sign and and I, I I read history books and, and um, I I love my family and are you a I love Cubs my fan wife. a White Sox fan? Oh, I'm a Cubs fan. So you had a, you had a really dad, good day dad, out a couple my of years dad, ago. My, 2016. Oh, my dad. My dad died just three years before. Yeah. I was thinking, God, he was waiting for 92 years. Yeah. But oh well. You and Bill Murray, right? Yeah, basically correct. Yeah, the biggest. No, no. I, I I go to the Wrigley Field. It's fun. The shrine. And uh, lastly, uh, I mean, Edelman has uh, quite a significant presence in Ireland. I'm an Irish journalist. I'm talking to you here at the Web Summit, but I am conscious of, of the Irish market as well. Um, do, you, do you ever sort of check in on, on how they're doing uh, uh, in Ireland? You know what's office? amazing? Um, we have a young guy, Fergal, um, who came from government, and he presented what they've done for the uh, Banking Association. Uh -huh. And Dublin has become, for us, one of these unbelievable kind of experiments in the future of Edelman and because it combined classic reputation management with public affairs with a brand with digital and you know this from a team of 50 people who are on fire and I'm very proud of those guys and we are actually making Dublin the uh, sort of example for smaller offices in Europe so the Dublin guys are going to go to Madrid and to Milan and they're also going to go to Asia to Vietnam etc to show how with a team of 50 you can actually be liberated to create these kind of programs because you don't have such big verticals they have nothing in their way to the future well, they're pretty good at diffusing situations. I, I had to butt heads with them on a, on a telecoms issue a couple of months ago, but they, they really had sort of diffused that uh, scenario nicely. Um, but listen, thank you very much for your sure. time uh, today, uh, Richard. And that was Richard Edelman, the Chief Executive of Edelman Public Relations. But that's all we have time for this week, folks. Thanks a million for listening. From me, Adrian Weckler, Tech Editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. Bye-bye.